Ed Dowd returns today to give us new information he has on the mRNA vaccine injuries and predictions about the economic impact of the global response to COVID. Ed is always full of really interesting information, a favorite on this show. He is, of course, a former Wall Street analyst, uh, BlackRock portfolio manager. Ed Dowd's book is Cause Unknown, and he you can visit Finance Technology with a PH, financetechnology.com, where he is had been the founder. Uh, I want to get right to our guest. Without further delay, here we go. Our laws, as it pertains to substances, are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin. Ridiculous. I'm a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell you think I learned that? I'm just saying. You go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. You have trouble. You can't stop and you want to help stop it. I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. I recently discovered Paleo Valley. They have a line of products that align perfectly with a paleo dietary regimen. Goodbye to the limited rotation of eggs, burgers, and the standard fare. Hello to a wide variety of extraordinary products that are both healthful and delicious. Paleo Valley offers a spectacular range of options, including 100% grass-fed beef sticks. They're packed with nutrients like omega-3 fatty acids, vitamins, minerals, glutathione, CLA, and bioavailable protein. Plus, keto-friendly, Make for a great protein-rich snack on the go. Paleo Valley's tasty beef sticks are not just 100% grass-fed, but also grass-finished, sourced from small domestic farms in the U.S. and flavored with real organic spices. They're also fermented, which means they contain natural probiotics that are great for gut health, and they taste amazing. Try them out by heading over to paleovalley.com slash drdrew to get 15% off your first order today. Don't miss out on this opportunity to discover a brand that is perfect for your paleo lifestyle. And of course, today uh, is Monday. Uh, we are not normally here on Monday, but we will not be here Wednesday and Thursday this week. So Dr. Kelly Victory has very kindly joined us, agreed to join us today and tomorrow. Tomorrow we have Dr. Nik we have Nikolai Petrovsky in here and Dr. Uh, Victory will be with me here. Uh, and then our follow-up show will be on May 15th with Nicole Sapphire at uh, three o'clock. That's a Monday on May 15th. I believe that's a Monday, yeah. Uh, so as I was saying today, of course, it's Ed Dowd, founder of Finance Technologies, author of Cause Unknown, the, Epine the Epidemic of Sudden Death in 2021 and 2022. Uh, he was recently appointed co-treasurer of RFK Jr.'s presidential campaign. Uh, Mr. Dowd is a former Wall Street analyst, BlackRock portfolio manager, who uh, is an analyst. He looks at uh, pattern recognition, uh, and uh, he is very good at that, and there's nothing substantively different about biological systems and economic systems. They are all systems and they all can be analyzed uh, by looking at the numbers. Ed noticed a uh, report, rise in reports on sudden death, and he's been following things since then. He's going to bring us some new data on MRI, vac MRI vaccine injuries and predictions for the economic impact, um, that particularly of the global response to COVID. Welcome, Ed Dowd. Thanks for having me on again, Dr. Drew. Great to be here. Great to be here. Great to be with you. I'm going to bring Kelly in pretty quick here, but I just was wondering if you could sort of frame to us how your thinking has evolved since we last talked to you. Yeah, so um, we kind of tied everything together, all our work, 
And we did an analysis of the U.S. specifically because we have the best data in terms of disabilities and whatnot. And uh, using the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics coupled with excess mortality. And uh, we put together a vaccine damage report. It's our best stab at uh, estimating the human cost, which is the, the devastating cost, and then the economic cost, two separate things. And um, from our analysis, the human cost from the mRNA vaccines, and if it's not the vaccines, it's something else. So we're assuming vaccines. If it's not, it needs to be investigated, uh, full stop. Um, 300,000 excess deaths in 21 and 22 from the vaccine. Now, we think that's conservative. Um, disabilities, we put out 1.36 million cumulative. And injuries uh, is a new number we came up with. We came at it from the uh, Pfizer clinical trials, the data there, the two months of the uh, blinded study, plus what we're seeing in the uh, absence data and the uh, work time loss data. We came up with 26.6 million vaccine injured, which we're saying chronically sick and missing work. And so that's a total of about 30 million Americans, about 10% of the population. Um, that's actually foots with what we saw in the adverse reactions in the clinical trials. So this is this is not too far off that number. Um, I'm, I'm going to stop so, you. I, I already got a bunch of, wait, I'm going to stop you because I already got a bunch of questions. I just want to clarify a couple of things if you don't mind. Um, one is the, the excess uh, disability thing. I mean, the, you know, packed into that could be COVID, COVID plus vaccine, lockdown consequences, right? I mean, there's a lot that could be in there. Is that fair to say? Uh, sure. Uh, there was the total disabilities went up 3.2 million. Uh, so that Great. we estimate, oh, I see. so yeah, so, so disabilities, uh, in the U S were running around 29 to 30 million pre COVID. We hit a high of 33.2 million. So we're only estimating 1.36. So there's been new essentially half of it. Half of it. Yeah. So we're not we're not attributing all the new disabilities in the U.S. to the vaccines. And, so, and is there any I, reporting on this? Is there any source of what you know what's in these? I mean, dis patients that apply for disability are pretty well documented. Although you and I both know that the way the vaccine injuries are documented is really weak, but at least there's some documentation. So do, do you have anything about what's packed into those 3 million cases? No, so we're using U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. So this is self-identified. So there's a signal. So the signal mm. went, off, it went off the rail starting in February of 2021. And so mm. again, you know, we're blaming the vaccines, but this is a signal that needs to be investigated and if it's not the vaccines, what is it? And why aren't we talking about it? So like, you know, we can get at this a bunch of different ways. Either I'm wrong or yeah. the health institutions aren't doing their job. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with you. And, and, I, and we've been yelling about this for quite some time. And I've noticed uh, John Campbell started ringing this alarm in the UK and a few of the MPs started speaking up and they got pretty roundly uh, dismissed, really. Some of them... You know, some of the advocates for further information kind of were over their skis a little bit, but it, it seemed like there was someone trying to look into it in the UK as well, but then they stopped. Yeah, there, there, there seems to be this um, silence on the whole issue. And the numbers that we're seeing in terms of uh, excess deaths, disabilities, and what we now classify as work time lost and absences, we have a pandemic now, we, it, way worse than COVID 2020. So the yeah. pandemic, the who just—I think the who just declared the pandemic over on Friday, I believe. Yes, and yes, they uh, did. And we're going to talk about that. And 
And uh, and Walensky's uh, retirement, uh, Kelly is very worked up about that. I'm going to leave. The winds are full in her sails, and I'm going to give her a chance to talk about that. But yeah, yeah, this is that's right. And so what's interesting is the the silence before when you and I used to theorize why are they why are they being let this we we thought well maybe they really believe the vaccine is going to prevent death and if we if the people are in any way um, you know biased against the vaccine people are going to die but. It's over. They can no longer say that. And yet the silence has become more deafening. Correct. And the number the numbers are uh, are not good. And if these numbers continue, you know, we're going to have a problem economically as well and a national security issue. So, you know, you know my viewpoint. You know, the team and I at, at Finance Technologies are about 150% convicted that it's the vaccine. So I'd be, I'd be happy to be proven wrong because that would solve a lot of institutional problems that are coming our way. Because I believe if it is the vaccine, uh, we got a lot of we got a lot of problems ahead of us institutionally. Institutionally, meaning as a government, or or as uh, who? Institutionally, what meaning institutionally meaning there's going to be a, a complete loss of trust in a lot of the institutions mm. that we we hold dear, mm. like the FDA, the CDC, the NIH, mm. you know, the government. So there's a lot of problems. So, I, you know, I'd, I'd happily be proven wrong, Dr. Drew, but unfortunately, I, I, I don't feel that way. Yeah. Now, the other question I, I stopped you in, in the middle of your presentation was this this injuries category, this new category. Tell me more. I didn't quite get what that was. So it's there. So there's in the Pfizer clinical trials, there were adverse events, death being yes. the most rare. Then, then, then there was, uh, and they, they classified severe adverse events, which is narrowly defined. Even with those numbers, as the narrowly defined definition, uh, we were able to impute a, an injury uh, associated with that, not necessarily a disability, but you, know, you, had, you had to go to the hospital, something happened. Right. And that, those right. numbers come up to about 20, so we imputed that to the whole population, 26.6 million. But we didn't we didn't talk about it before because we couldn't um, you know put it tie it to anything. But what we found in the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, there's annualized absence data and work time lost. When I, when I was on your show last time, I talked about the fact that work time lost exploded to 13 standard deviations above the 20 year trend line in 2022. It went up in 2020 as would be expected because COVID with a lot of confusion, lockdowns went up again in 21. But what's super surprising is it exploded again and went even higher in 2022 to 13 standard deviations above trendline, which in my world is a black swan event. It's crazy off the charts, the amount of work time being lost by people who are showing up to work, full-time employees. And do we do you have any hint of where that's going, what the trend line is? The trend, the, 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 uh, I think I showed the graph on your, on your show last time. It's like this. It's like literally almost bending back on itself. So, so it, got wor- it got way worse in 2022. And the thing that I'm worried about is, um, you know, it, are there, we don't know what the medium term and long term impacts of the vaccine are because there were no studies. So that's what, you know, we, we're, we hope that this was just an anomaly. Um, and let me do, I want to deliver some good news. Um, the, the disability data came out on Friday and it, it ticked down a little bit. It, it was close to its all time. It, it started going back up to its all time high uh, the month before. So in the month of April, it ticked back down again, about 200,000. But still, the trend is not broken. And the good news is, is that women employed women who are hitting new all time highs in the prior month 
or down uh, significantly. Not 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 too much, but they 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 tick down. So the good news is, at least disabilities this month didn't get worse, but the trend is not broken. And, and you know, so if we were to draw a trend line, the, the rate of growth is slowed, but it's still an up and to the right. We as a as a technical analyst, I like to see it break trend and go back to normal. Right. So, so the Delta is a smaller number, right? The rate of change is slower. Correct. Yeah. But it's, but it's still at a, at at an extraordinary, the number itself is still high relative to historical averages. Still high. And if you were a technical analyst, you would say it's pausing before it resumes growth. So for, for me to declare Mm -hmm. that we're out of the woods, I would love to see a break trend and, and, and like head trend toward, I can't say that yet, but the good news is it didn't go up again last month to new all-time highs so that's at least just 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 because i'm interested i'm just sort of interested in this technical stuff Uh, and when you say break trend are you talking about tick to a negative delta or just go to zero or one or what's the so 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 what was going on it was it was flatlining like this then it it grew in 21 and 22 now it's 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 rolling over but it's not like this i want to see it roll over And, and break the trend line. You can draw a trend line. I want it to go below trend, yeah. and it's not below trend. Yeah. yeah. You don't want it below national averages. You want it just to, you want that trend to reverse itself or to change. Once we break Anything. trend, I'll feel better. Yeah. Then we should go back towards national yeah. averages. Yeah. And does the, and my last question before we bring Dr. Victory in here is does the Bureau of Labor Statistics? react to this analyze it are they on the record with any policy conversations or is it just they put the data out and it's crickets no they, they put the data out and it's supposed to be used by other departments and so they don't ever comment on their data they do the payroll number what what i like about these guys is it's you know they're just kind of independent and they don't they don't have any skin in the game their budgets their budget so they they're just putting the numbers out so it's not tied to mm. um you know, a healthcare budget, just these are numbers. And I, that's what I love about these guys. And it's, and it's monthly and it's high frequency. And it's, it's, uh, it's a survey, it's a telephone survey done every month. So it's statistically imputed. So there's some noise in the numbers. So they call about 60,000 people a month, take a survey and they, and they change the people that they rotate, you know, different people every couple months. So it's, I like it as a data. But I don't person. understand why there's not somebody responding to the data like there's no there's no 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 uh you know cabinet level personnel or anything sort of in there going hey we noticed something here's what we think well i've tried to i tried to make this uh information available I, I said i talked to senator ron johnson about this i'm trying to get into the covid uh committee hearings in the house but i've not been invited yet i don't think any anybody has been invited yet to those so i i, I would love to present this data to a congressional body just call me and i'll go all right let's 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 say it again call ed dowd he'll come in present his data and you can make your own decision about whether you think it's uh, meaningful or not and if it seems to me that if you're doing a house investigative committee on covid 19 response how you can Exclude this is mystifying to me, but okay. The government operates in strange ways. Uh, Ed Dow with us. Let's remind everyone the GOP is in, in, in charge of the House. So uh, let's let's get the GOP on this because the the the, the DNC uh, is in charge of the Senate. So let's. I'd love to see a bipartisan committee on this. I, I don't know why there isn't. This is oh. this shouldn't be a political issue. 
Have we not sat here the entire pandemic shaking our head going, I don't understand why. I don't know why. Why isn't there? I mean, I've, that vast, I've, I've uh, begun uh, 500 sentences with those words in the last six months. <laughs> and here we are again. So, all right, we're going to take a little break, get some business out of the way, and then we'll bring Kelly Victory in, who's got a whole um, lot of thoughts about Rochelle Walensky and her uh, recent, uh, what she called, re retirement, or, or the fact that she resigned. Uh, something else going on there, Kelly just discovered, and she'll get to that, and we'll hear more from Ed Dowd and his numbers, and uh, be right back after this. With Mother's Day quickly approaching, what better way to express your love than by giving the gift of younger-looking, beautiful skin with the luxurious feel of Genucel skincare? Susan, who is a huge fan of the brand, has raved about their Ultra Retinol product, which contains powerful retinol alternative, Bakukiol, and a proprietary MDL technology to soothe irritation and target red blotchy skin. Additionally, their under eye treatment is perfect for hiding those pesky bags and puffiness that can result from long flights or lack of sleep. I know I'm a snob about the products I use on my face. Everybody knows it. Every time I go to the dermatologist's office, they're just rows and rows of different creams. Retinols, vitamin C cream, under eye cream, night creams. Scrubs. And then when I get to the counter, they're overpriced. All kinds of products that you can all find at GenuCell.com. In fact, you might have witnessed the astonishing effects of GenuCell Redness Repair Intensive during a recent unplanned moment of our show. Repairing my skin within minutes right before your eyes. That's just how fast this stuff works. Celebrate the special mom in your life today by visiting GenuCell.com Drew and check out the personalized packages from Susan and from myself bundled with our favorite GenuCell products. And remember to use the promo code DREW for an extra 10% off. All orders are upgraded to free shipping. Plus, if you order now, every package purchased gets a free spring spa package with three of GenuCell's best-selling spa products ready to try in the comfort of your own home. Woo! Again, that's GenuCell.com slash Drew, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash D-R-E-W. Over the last few months, no doubt you've heard a lot about spike protein, certainly on this program. The reality is once lockdowns are well behind us, we will likely still be dealing with the effects of COVID and potentially the COVID-19 vaccines. Therefore, the spike protein may prove to be an important part of our story. With that in mind, I want to introduce you to the wellness company's spike support formula. Whether you've been vaccinated or not, spike protein may be something you have become concerned about. Good news is that there's some interesting research on how to potentially deal with it. Studies have suggested that natokinase and dandelion root are showing some potential in protecting you and your family. Our friend Dr. Peter McCullough and the team at the Wellness Company have the only product on the market that contains both natokinase and dandelion root. In addition to the natokinase and the dandelion root, the Wellness Company's spike support formula also includes natural antioxidant ingredients such as black sativa, extract, green tea, and iris sea moss, all thought to help boost immune health. Go to twc.health slash Drew to order today. Use code Drew at checkout for 10% off today. President Trump recently issued a warning from his Mar-a-Lago home, quote, our currency is crashing and will soon no longer be the world standard will be our greatest defeat, frankly, in 200 years. There are three reasons the central banks are dumping the U.S. dollar, inflation, deficit spending, and our insurmountable national debt. The fact is there is one asset that has withstood famine, wars, political and economic upheaval dating back to biblical times, gold. And you can own it in a tax shelter retirement account with the help of Birch Gold. That's right, Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k maybe from a previous employer, into an IRA in gold. And the best part, you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Just visit birchgold.com slash Drew for your free info kit. 
They'll hold your hand through the entire process. Think about this. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. How much more time does the dollar have? Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers. I do not give financial advice, and previous performance is no guarantee of future performance. Visit birchgold.com slash Drew to get your free info kit on gold. That is B-I-R-C-H-G-O-L-D dot com slash D-R-E-W. Some platforms have banned the discussion of controversial topics. If this episode ends here, the rest of the show is available at drdrew.tv. There's nothing in medicine that doesn't boil down to a risk-benefit calculation. It is the mandate of public health to consider the impact of any particular mitigation scheme on the entire population. This is uncharted territory, Drew. Boy, Kelly, when I uh, hear that intro and you talk about risk rewards and contemplating the impact on the population, I, I, it seems even more outrageous as time has gone on, doesn't it? I mean, that they, they did all this without that, and now here we are talking to Ed about the consequences. It, it does, and, and uh, thanks so much for being here, Ed, by the way. I mean, your appearances are always much anticipated, not only by, by Drew and by me, but by our entire audience. So I really appreciate you taking the time to do this and accommodating our crazy schedule. Uh, yeah, my comments, you know, all that time ago, Drew, about public health, uh, really, I, I stand by those today. It is the mandate of public health to pay attention to that. Uh, we aren't supposed to be focused in public health on a singular disease, on a singular mm -hmm. individual. It's very different from when we are practicing one-on-one -on -one medicine in a clinic or in an emergency department. When I put my public health hat on, I am obligated to look at how anything is going to affect the entire population, including all of the people who are at fundamentally zero risk from whatever it is, in this case, COVID. And we uh, exacted a huge toll on people who had almost no risk from the pandemic, not the least of which were children who had their, their lives just decimated for, uh, for three years. We left a smoldering crater where our economy used to be. And as Ed is now pointing out, we have uh, millions and millions of people who appear to have been harmed. Uh, and I'm in Ed's camp. Obviously, I think that the uh, likely culprit by an order of magnitude is the vaccine. Um, so let's start with that. Ed, obviously you've been focusing on all-cause mortality and disability rather than on VAERS itself. Um, but I think it's important, the, the two things dovetail. The VAERS system, as, as uh, limited as that may be, I wanna at least talk for a minute about that. Drew and others have been very critical of VAERS, the, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, uh, because it isn't a perfect system. But it's, it's what we've got. And I think people need to understand it is owned by, I didn't design this, this wasn't designed by a group of, you know, right wing nuts, you know, who are, you know, MAGA Trump supporters. The, their system is owned by the CDC and HHS. It's their system. They designed it. They designed it as the proverbial canary in the coal mine early warning system to capture those signals to capture a signal, and a signal being something that otherwise might not be clear to them from a study, but indicate that there's an issue going on. So I think that what we are seeing in VAERS in the massive number of vaccine injuries 
it you know it would be unfair to you know parse those out and not dovetail those to exactly what you are seeing i assume you've spent some amount of time looking at the vers data itself in addition to actually all cause mortality is that correct that's on our website we have the uh, analysis of some of the vers data and hospitalization linked to vaccines i've not publicly talked about that because it's 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 a complicated story. I just like to keep to simple things. But we we've looked at VARES. There's a part of our website that that speaks to it, and it's it, we we we're 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 into the analyst mosaic. So different pieces of the puzzle all point to the same thing. So we have U.S. Yeah. Bureau of Labor Statistics. We got VARES hospitalization rates, vaccine uptake, disabilities up to a uh, vaccine uptake. We have uh, work time data, uh, vaccine uptake. We got excess mortality, vaccine. So we're kind of getting at it the way we would on Wall Street. Like we're not gonna, we're, we're never gonna have perfect information before we make our decision because by the time we do, we miss the opportunity. So we're speaking to you as uh, investment people with a thesis and we're conclusive on our thesis that it is the vaccines. And if we're on Wall Street and this was a trade, we'd be all in on the trade that the vaccines are the cause. And then we would hope that eventually you know, the press and the medical establishment will figure it out, you know, in time. But the trend is the trend and it's going on now. And we're not going to wait for some authority figure to tell us, yes, you're correct. That's not how you make money. And this is, that's why we're bringing right. unique insight, right. because this is how we think. No, exactly. So you you are the consummate, uh, you know, data or pattern analyzer. You have come to these conclusions looking really purely at the all death, all cause mortality uh, data and the disability data. But it is one hundred percent supported. I guess I would say by the data that comes out of VAERS. It would say the exact same Correct. thing. If you looked at that, you would come yeah. to the same conclusions. You know, and, and that's, that's, so that's on our it's, website. It's, that's on our website. So I think it's it's supportive, and and the idea that the naysayers would push back on VARES and say that for some reason, for some uh, you know anomaly in, in this particular case, that people have been over-reporting these things to VARES when they never did this in the past, I think is really implausible. I, I I can't understand any way you would sort of validate that or say that there's a reason. Uh, and frankly, all the studies would indicate that VAERS data is grossly underreported. Um, you know, the uh, Harvard did a study years ago indicating that, that VAERS probably captures a small fraction of the actual number of, of adverse events that happen to vaccines because it's an onerous system and it relies, it's incumbent upon the individual largely and, and perhaps the physician to, to take the time to fill it out. And that's not exactly the first thing that's on your mind when you end up with a vaccine injury um, is, oh, let me quick run to the internet and see if I can report this. Um, so suffice to say, I, I think that your data is clearly supported by what we're seeing in bears. Um, and I want to well, give you plenty of time to go ahead. Well, first of all, I, I believe to uh, report a fraudulent bears incident is against the law. You can be prosecuted for yes. it. Number two, from what I understand, these, the, these forms, the, the fields you have to fill require some knowledge and usually doctors do this. Mm -hmm. And it's not something a yeah. lay person can just like reproduce hundreds and hundreds of them to fake the data. This would have been right. discovered a long time ago if it was the case, in my humble opinion.
I agree with you. It would take it would take you know thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of false reports uh, in a concerted effort and a coordinated effort, and I think it's simply implausible. I want to give you all the time that you want to discuss uh, any of the new data, but before we went on the show, you and Drew and I were talking about the broader topic of fraud fraud that and you were relaying and i wanted you to talk a little bit about a radio ad that you heard uh in hawaii in maui with regard to the vaccine so let's start with with that the radio ad that you thought was uh misleading let's call it yeah so i I pay attention to details that's that's the nature of what i've done my whole life and february of 2021 driving around i listen to the radio i'm old and uh, while driving around listening to the radio, they, they, they said to go, be sure to go get your COVID-19 uh, vaccines. They've been approved by the FDA. And at the time in February, they were uh, authorized under an emergency youth authorization by the FDA. And there's a distinction. And that, that was somehow tossed out the window and they gave the, uh, the impression that these had already been approved by the FDA in February of 2021. And I'm sure this kind of, sleight of hand on the radio ads was not just you know directed to maui county i'm sure this happened all over the place so that was one of the that was one of the things that really irritated me early on in this whole affair uh, in addition to all the anecdotal uh, reports that i was hearing from friends and, and loved ones so I, I, you know and then the, the 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 propaganda campaign that we're all familiar with at this point so it just that's just one little bit of fraud that i saw over the air right so here yeah, so here we are, and I'm here to tell you, so that was February of 21. Now it's May of 23. And I hate to be the, you know, the spoiler, but there is still no FDA approved vaccine for COVID available in the United States. And I think this was purposeful sleight of hand by the FDA and by the powers that be. There was a singular vaccine made by Pfizer under the brand name Comirnaty that was FDA approved, but it is not available in the United States. So they uh, they did a sleight of hand that allowed Pfizer to continue to use their EUA, emergency use authorization vaccines, to use up this huge stockpile of them that they had. Anybody in the United States who gets, as of today, May 8th, 2023, who gets a vaccine for COVID in the United States, is not getting an FDA approved product because one does not exist, is not available in the US. And people, I think, don't know that. They have been led, as you said, through these radio ads and other things, to been led to believe that they're getting an FDA approved product and they're not. And it's absolutely false advertising. And I think uh, these are the sorts of things that Americans should, should be aware of. Um, that we were also talking about our good friend, Rochelle Walensky, um, the, uh, the the leader of the pack after Anthony Fauci, you know, she was one of the forward faces of this debacle in my mind. She just stepped down. I, I think uh, she technically resigned from her position as a CDC director. Um, and I found the timing of it interesting uh, because it corresponded to um, the end, the official end of the pandemic, you know, it, it ended, I think, two days ago, remarkably. I mean, how they decide these things is beyond me. But I became aware that Rochelle Walensky, it turns out, it appears that Rochelle Walensky was never sworn in 
uh, to the CDC. And the reason she was never sworn in is because she failed to submit the required affidavit within 30 days of her appointment, indicating that she did not pay or uh, exchange any monies in, uh, in order to get this position. Furthermore, that document that Caleb just showed, which is the official affidavit that she failed to submit, shows very clearly her position was never to be the director of the CDC. It was to be a senior advisor. So it sort of begs the question, uh, who the hell is running the government in the United States? Because Rochelle Walensky was never the director. She wasn't sworn in. I mean, this is this is crazy. I, I mean, thoughts. I'm interested in yours and Drew's thoughts on this. I am absolutely apoplectic. Uh, you know, that leaves me speechless. It seems like another potential bureaucratic um trick to get around maybe testifying she was yeah. never i was never the pdc director i can't test who knows but what i do know is her her um her resignation uh, on friday was abrupt not uh, normally if if this if she had done such a great job they she would have been all over the talk shows she would already have an appointment at some firm somewhere this seems kind of sudden and abrupt i, I don't know if she saw it coming i can only speculate but the telltale signs of, of 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 success are absent in her mysterious uh, disappearance on Friday afternoon. That's Usually, interesting. Yeah, there's great. no, there was no, no farewell tour, no uh, thank you, uh, right. all, uh, handshakes all around. There was just, uh, I'm leaving. My job here is done. And by the way, I don't know about you guys, but I didn't hear her moving towards the door or suggesting that her position had changed because this thing was right. winding down. It was the same shrill, frankly, nonsense that was back from the beginning, which this panic porn, just you've got to do this to chill. We got to get you. Did you, by the way, uh, I'll ask Kelly first. Did you notice uh, Chelsea Clinton is on the stump now? Uh, and I, and I couldn't tell if that was childhood vaccines or COVID vaccines for children. But it all seemed particularly um, interesting to me. She is now leading the charge for in her forced vaccinations without parental consent for children who have not just for COVID, but for anything for which children have. And they're calling it like the great ketchup or something, the great yeah, vaccine yeah. ketchup. They're going to take kids who have not been fully vaccinated for whatever it is, measles, mumps, chicken pox, you know, rubella, and um, catch them up. Uh, and Chelsea Clinton is leading the charge on this. It's absolutely, um, it, it, frankly, it, it was it was awful. It was really somewhat chilling. The idea of vaccinating children uh, without their without parental consent is already so objectionable I, I just don't even know where to where to start uh but i think with rochelle walensky i think you know she kind of quietly slipped out the back door when it was submitted yeah. because this paperwork was submitted to the u.s attorney's office less than 24 48 hours before she resigned i think essentially they said you better get out of here because turns out you were never you were never sworn in you know you're resigning so from you a think, position you actually you think never that had. was it you think that was it, or do you think there's a there's a brewing storm ahead that that she you know so much of what she said? I love the people. I I think you said you you noticed one of my tweets. I think all I remember tweeting about her was uh, Vinaya Prasad put down all the things she said, like about ten different things that 
or maybe it was 20 different things that turned out to be categorically, absolutely incorrect and possibly even dangerous. And she didn't, right. uh, to my knowledge, go back on any of it. No, I, I mean, she was the one who notoriously said, turns out the vaccines don't prevent COVID and they don't prevent transmission, um, you know, right. other than that. But, didn't, but she did, I guess what awesome. I'm saying is she didn't, she didn't say, she said science changed. She didn't say, you know, I got that one wrong. Maybe I shouldn't have been so forceful in my position. I may be a little hubristic in that. Maybe next time I'll, you know, uh, soften my approach uh, as mm -hmm. opposed to, mm -hmm. again, this, this thus saith the Lord mandate on high uh, and then here we see as you know ed made a chill go down my spine when he suggested that the this affidavit is a representation of bureaucratic shenanigans to avoid liability i i know you know if this had been five years ago i would have thought oh come on you got to be kidding ed now i'm like oh no again here, here we go right <laughs> but, but that's what yeah. i'm suggesting drew that's what i'm suggesting about the the um this false advertising about the vaccines being fda approved i think again that was i called it yeah. sleight of hand I, I, I think it's bureaucratic shenanigans yes, that yes it is. that's what i'm yes the, i agree uh, that, that many of those Many the, opportunities um, for the, that. The, right. The pharmaceutical companies to to have liability protection uh, while they use mm -hmm. these EUA, you know, products versus one that's actually FDA approved. So I don't want to. I, I, by the, the way, Kelly, before you before you go back to Ed, one, one quick thing, one quick thing. I found it odd the way they slipped in the uh, bivalent booster uh, into the EUA and canceled the other EUA for the no the old vaccines that are ex extra super useless. Right. Um, but what right. what how did I didn't what's is there was that another bureaucratic sleight of hand? Is there a legal precedent for that? It seemed just it just went with no uh, conversation. A absolutely, and then they and stopped, no data they, by they the stopped. way. Patients, I got to tell you, patients today <laughs> asked me, should I take the bivalent booster? And I, one ninety-year-old, I said, yeah, you've had no reactions. I, if you want to do that, it sounds like a good idea. Maybe she's very fragile. Uh, and but to the rest of them, I went, I have no data. I don't know. I don't know whether you should take this I thing or not yet. Right. At least with the last one, you had eight mice. You had, that, you had the big study with the eight mice. This one, you don't even have eight freaking mice. Yeah, no, we, so we, have we, a, we have a good question. What's that? We have a good question on yeah. Rumble. Okay. We got two bucks. I want to say okay. thanks to Skip530. There is. Is there evidence that the early use of the, of the, the vaccine. vaccine saved lives or reduced sickness? Okay, so this is a... He's asking a very interesting question, and I, I okay, you're shaking your head already, but but <laughs> but 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 the, the, the question really, in my mind, I I feel like it interrupt might have interrupted the momentum of the alpha and delta phase of this thing. Whether it saved a net number of lives is a questionable answer, but but. Maybe you want to, I'll step back and you had some stuff you want to talk to Ed about and you can answer that in the course of what you want to talk to Ed about perhaps. Well, I guess I, you know, I don't want to put Ed on the spot to talk about politics if, if you're not prepared to do so. But one of the things I think that's important and I was thrilled to see is that you are um, now holding a, a really important position in uh, Bobby Kennedy's uh, announced run for, for the White House. Um, and I think that if nothing else, uh, you know, Bobby was a, a friend of mine and a friend of this show, um, has been very outspoken about, and I, I don't call him anti-vaccine, I call him pro-freedom, pro-safety, pro-data, but 
ultimately pro-freedom. Talk, if you feel comfortable about it, a little bit about his stance on this, um, again, from a purely not anti-vaccine perspective, but a pro-freedom of choice. Yeah, so I joined the campaign primarily because of the Freedom First uh, platform that he's, he's going under, protect the Bill of Rights and uh, medical autonomy and avoid medical tyranny. And look, we all, any, any of us with eyes have seen during this COVID debacle, uh, tyranny and totalitarianism creeping its, its, its way into our way of life. And so I'm standing up against that. And I don't agree with Bobby on every issue, but it seems like we need some adults in the room. He's a man of truth and integrity. And he speaks his, he, he has values that he acts on and he sticks to those values. Now, does that mean he's gonna, when he gets new information, he won't change his mind? No, he'll change his mind if he's proven wrong. But that's why I'm with Bobby. Don't agree on every issue, but we're, without freedom, we, we're really kicking sand around the sandbox. Uh, with uh, the, all these other topics that I don't agree with him on, don't matter if we don't have freedom. So that's why I'm with him. Yeah, well, I think if nothing else, independent of what you might have seen with regard to to fraud in the government or whatever else, this pandemic showed me certainly how terrifyingly quickly people were willing to give up their civil liberties when uh, put in a position of fear, how quickly people were willing to do things that the government had no right to require them to do, close their businesses, stay home from church keep their children out of school, not be able to, to travel. These are things that, the, these are uh, rights that people have that supersede anything the government can, can say. But people so willingly handed over the reins to essentially their entire lives, I found it terrifying. And I think that in and of itself is something that would drive a lot of people, independent of their previous politics, over to support somebody like Bobby Kennedy, because again, has nothing to do with his stance necessarily on the vaccines per se. It's his defense of civil liberties, defense of our Bill of Rights that I think is so critically important. What, you know, other than, um, you know, your interest that you brought you there because of you, what you're doing right now with regard to these vaccine injuries, are there other things that you have talked with Bobby about that, uh, in, but you know, beyond the vaccine issue, uh, just the the general fact that our institutions have been captured. A lot of our institutions. Bobby was an environmental lawyer most of his life, and he's worked with a lot of these institutions and the bureaucracies. And he and he's he's uh, seen what what's gone on. It's been basically um, a, a fusion of corporate and government interests. It's a corporate hegemony, and that's what we're fighting. Mm -hmm. We're fighting the. We're fighting basically neo-fascism. I mean, it's a, it's a fusion of government and corporations. If you look what happened with Pfizer, they basically got to sell a product under the color of law that you had to take. That, that's, that's just right. pure insanity in my mind. And that's the, kind of, that's the kind of stuff that I'm fighting against. I want to get back to, you know, you know and again, we have this country now that's so divided. It's, it's like my team or your team. It's not, life isn't right. that black and white. It's gray. And we got to get back to gray where we can civilly debate things. And the other thing he's going to do is introduce conversations into the uh, marketplace of ideas that are currently aren't allowed to be talked about. And that's another reason I'm on board. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm on board 
Uh, don't have to agree with him on everything, but he seems to have um, truth and integrity, which I think is a new trend. It's an early, it's it's a small trend. There's not a, but the leaders of tomorrow are going to have it because the current the current crop of leaders on both sides of the red and blue team don't have it in my mind. Not well, not perfect everyone, segue. Both. Perfect segue, because the uh, another thing you and I were talking about with Drew before we went came on was um, I had this conversation via Twitter o- over the weekend with regard to Senator Cornyn, John Cornyn, uh, from the great state of Texas. Uh, and he has been it was unbelievable to me that a sitting senator made statements in one single sentence. He made four grossly uh, erroneous, er- uh, fa- you know, factual errors with regard to the COVID vaccines. In his uh, defense of his, you know, su- uh, supporting these vaccines, he said, number one, the FDA approved vaccines for COVID, as we've just talked about, there aren't any, that are used to prevent the infection with COVID and the transmission of COVID which you and I both know is patently absurd. They do neither. And even the vaccine manufacturers acknowledge they don't prevent infection or prevent transmission. And he said, these vaccines have been proven to be safe and effective in one sentence. So here's a guy who's making laws. He's a legislator. He's one of the dudes who votes on whether or not we have to take these things, whether our children have to take them, whether or not we can travel without taking them, whether or not we can go to work without taking them, whether I as a physician can work in healthcare without taking them. He's one of the people voting and he is so factually misinformed as to be, I mean, it's a combination of terrifying and absolutely unacceptable. Um, And your thoughts on the matter were that they're kind of just lazy which I thought was interesting. Yeah, in many ways, or they're just, they're, they're so entrenched in their ego and they can't give up the position that they held. You know, you can't rationalize facts with someone uh, whose position is based on emotion. And that's, I, I learned that on Wall Street. And it's one of these cognitive dissonance things that unfortunately we have to deal with as humans. Um, can I comment on Chelsea Clinton for a second? Oh yeah, um, please. please do. Um, <laughs> I, to be honest, when I saw that on Twitter, I thought it was fake. I couldn't, I was, I, I, I actually said to myself, there's no way at this point in the game, she would come out and say that. that that's patently absurd, but it's proven to be true. So I think it's, mm-hmm. I, I'm a cynical guy. I'm like, why would you do that now? Um, I think they're trying to, you know, give a lifeline to some of the people in their camp that became religious about this and to make them feel like, that they they still have the backing of at least someone in 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 the in that regime, and to not lose people to Bobby Kennedy because as as people find out that maybe they were betrayed, Bobby Kennedy could rise in the polls. So I think I think it's a wedge issue in my mind. For I don't think she, I don't that's what she's saying is so beyond the pale and crazy. It's not going to happen. But there's a certain segment of the population that wants to see that. Yeah, it's that's interesting. Uh, it's, yes. It's yeah. interesting that so it's, mean, you see it as a political maneuver to to push back on RFK Jr.'s position. Hey, Ed, I wonder if you want to present the um, the graphs that you have, uh, sort of bring home the economic mm-hmm. impact of mm-hmm. not just vaccine injury, yeah, but the the whole yeah. the whole pandemic situation. Yeah, let's put up, yeah. let's, put up let's, let's put up graph number two. That's the economic impact. Um, I believe, is that graph one? Yeah, there's the economic cost. There's two. So there you go. The, injury, the, the injuries I talked about earlier with Dr. Drew, 
the same categories, injured, disabled, and dead. We, we measured what we could. So we measured lost wages from the national accounts. And these are the numbers we came up with. The, the, the excess deaths cost the, the economy 5.6 billion. Uh, the disabilities, 52.2 billion. And the injuries in terms of work time lost, 90 billion. So that's 150 billion in 2022. What we can't measure is the productivity losses. And those are multiple multipliers of the, the, the hard numbers because that, that has to be replaced. Uh, there's knock-on effects. There are people you know, going to work that are you know, presenting as uh, absent a lot. They're probably not feeling well a lot. So when they, when they are there, their productivity is below 100%. Let's call it 50, 75%. Then you have the workers that, have to, that are not presenting as absent and sick having to step up and fill in for, for those that are constantly missing work. And then the, the, those who are disabled, some family members have to take care of the disabled, take them to the doctor's appointments. So there's a lot of uh, costs we can't measure. So the 150 billion is what we could measure. It's probably you know anywhere from two to 10X that amount, depending upon what you wanna do with the productivity number. So this is, this is a big, big deal. And the other thing I wanna bring home is that uh, we do economic analysis and uh, in our economic analysis, we're looking at the unemployment number, which is 3.5%. If you incorporate our vaccine damage report, which we have, we think unemployment, because the labor pool is, is smaller than actually uh, you know, what people believe it to be, uh, unemployment's actually two and a half percent. So the Fed, so this has policy error implications. The Fed looks at employment. They could keep interest rates too high for too long, not understanding what we think is the reality of the situation, that the labor pool has shrunk. And if that's the case, they could cause damage to the economy that they otherwise, if they had this information, they wouldn't. Make that case. How, how do you, how do, how could they document that the labor pool is shrunken? Well, because we uh, confirm we, that. We, well, we, 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 from our numbers, we're just imputing that we're, our number, so we, we think about a percent between the uh, uh, work, uh, work time lost and the disabled, those, that, that, that productivity has to be replaced. So we're imputing that the unemployment number is actually lower because the labor pool is smaller. So there's just not enough in the labor pool to meet the supply. So the Fed it thinks is looking at the economy and saying, oh, you know, unemployment is still pretty tight. We've got to keep rates high for longer. But it's actually not. It's not that mm -hmm. uh, that things are well. It's that things are bad and you're miscalculating. And it's the way that they calculate the unemployment number. It's, it's a very wonky way that they do it. And they, it's, it's only those in, that, uh, that are able and willing to work. And that, those numbers shift around quite a bit. So we think that, 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 that this has not only dire economic consequences, it's ha having policy implications that could be even more dire if the Fed keeps the interest rates too high for too long. What about your first set of graphs? So, uh, the first set was the injuries. I'll reiterate the numbers. So those are, that's the human cost. So we, we, it's uh, human cost. Uh, about 300,000 excess deaths, 1.36 million disabled, and 26.6 million. There's an extensive um, documentation of all these numbers. If you're uh, wanting to disprove us, debunk us, or even or agree with us, we got on our website how we get to these numbers. Rather than bore you guys Is with that how we at, got to uh, financetechnologies.com. Financetechnologies.com, spelled PH. It's under the vaccine damage report. So this is this is kind of the the um, the coming together of all the different pieces and parts we've been working on since June of last year. This is kind of our 
conclusive report. And we're not done with the vaccine issue. We're going to continue to update the numbers, but we we we're not sitting around um, saying we need to prove it. We're of the opinion we're right. We're moving on, but we're going to we'll update you as numbers come out. And but because you're looking at, by the way, and you've done brilliant work, but because you're looking at employment numbers, you by definition are looking at people between the ages of 18 and what, 59? Um, 16, if you 16, add, 16, 16 and 64. 16 and 64. So then if you look at people between the ages of 12 and 16, the next tranche mm. down, you know, that you aren't looking mm. at because they are not in the employee and look at the number of those or that 10 million or whatever fall into that age category and the number who have been potentially injured there. Um, what, you know, we have to look at what's what's coming into the workforce. What percentage of people that in that age group have been harmed and will not enter the workforce at the time they normally would uh, because they have an injury or a disability that will prohibit them from actually. And I don't think anybody's looked at that yet. We know that the number of kids, a large number of, of kids have been injured. Uh, it's hard to get your arms around exactly what the numbers are, but it will be interesting to see if fewer people at that tipping point who would normally enter the age, the workforce, say at age 18, um, don't because there's a decrease in, in able-bodied people. Yeah, and um, now, and so that's why we think our numbers are conservative because we don't capture under sixteen or over sixty-five. Right. So this is this is yeah. this is this is human cost to those who are probably could work and uh, those who are employed and the numbers associated with that. So that's why we said our numbers are conservative. Have you had any ability, Ed, to look at these numbers uh, in the U.S. compared to elsewhere in the world, other heavily vaccinated countries, for example, or compared to other heavily vaccinated countries versus uh, countries that are not significantly vaccinated to see what their their impact on their labor force has been? No, we don't have that data, but uh, we're going to start looking at we potentially will look at U.K. uh, disability data because they have actually a more robust system than ours. It's called the yellow card system. We're working on that. Um, we have looked at excess mortality in all of Europe, uh, Germany, Ireland, UK, Australia, and the US. Canada seems to be a third world country at this point. They don't know how to count dead people anymore. Uh, so they haven't updated their death roll. But uh, uh, we, uh, we will, any data source that we think is good, and we have to vet the data source and make sure there's no noise and it's not compromised, we will look at, but um, you know, for the most part, uh, we're going to continue to update all our excess mortality numbers. We're going to continue to update you know, our disability reports and our U.S. numbers. Um, but we're not in the business of trying trying to prove anything anymore. Our conclusion is it's the vaccine. If it's not the vaccine, yeah. somebody should be talking about this. What we call a pandemic. There's a there's pandemic numbers right now, but silence. Are you getting any traction other than the occasional outlier? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you've got people like Bobby Kennedy and Senator Ron Johnson and a, a, a handful of others. Are you getting any traction from anyone in a position of presumed authority saying, wow, we will look at this, we, we will take action, we will do some sort of analysis of our own and take you, you know, this under advisement? Well, I've been hoping to get uh, reached out to by the COVID uh, investigation committee. I think Marjorie Taylor Greene is heading that up. I've not heard anything yet from her. 
uh, that's, I'm, I'm not I'm not chastising her. Just maybe she's busy and doesn't no. know about me. But um, but I will say this: I do think um, as we roll through time, unfortunately, it takes time. Uh, state uh, medical budgets are going to start to feel the brunt and impact of this, and I think states' attorney generals, like they did with the tobacco, big tobacco, once they realize the impact to their systems and their budget, uh, are going to be the ones that get the discovery on what's going on here, and they're and they're the ones that are going to break through the mainstream blockade. Uh, right, right now, there just there doesn't seem to be anyone. Really, other than you know myself, the good frontline doctors, Bobby Kennedy, Senator Ron Johnson, there's really not a lot of people doing this. Josh Sterling, the insurance executive, has had some success in forming a group of uh, a coalition of insurance executives called the Coalition to Save Lives, Insurance Coalition to Save Lives, and they are looking at the vaccine. It, it's it's one of many things they're looking at, so it's not off the table like it was before. And their idea is to um, alert uh, as many in the industry to the fact that we have a big problem coming unless we take care of it now. Well, also, as we were talking about, you know, if if a handful of attorneys get wind of some of these things that you and I are calling fraudulent, whether it's with regard to um, fraudulent advertising, the vaccines to be FDA approved or or whatever it is, uh, the fact that that these uh, vaccine manufacturers kept information from the public that they had prior to the rollout. They knew, for example, they knew much of these uh, the safety data was wasn't, wasn't there. They knew of the risks about everything from myocarditis to the profound impact on fertility. It, it's clear from the FOIA, FOIA documents that they had that information at their uh, behest before they rolled them out. I think if a handful of attorneys get a hold of this and get their teeth into it, I think it could become potentially a free-for-all with lawsuits um, and the liability protection would, would ultimately go away, I believe. Um, and that could change change things as well. Have you seen any motion uh, towards well, that? I, I, can tell, I can tell you, I privy to the fact that there's something called litigation, uh, litigation finance, and pools of money are going to be raised to pick the best cases and make big returns mm. as things roll forward. So Wall Street is already talking about litigation finance. Interesting. And so what I, what, and the reason I say this to your audience Dr. Drew is because Wall Street's not going to advertise this. They're just going to do it. So just know that there's people behind the scenes who are looking to profit off this. And as sick as that sounds, it, it needs to be done because it will justice will come that way. And so when Wall Street smells something, it's usually ahead of the curve. And this is again, I just want your audience to know that you know we're not crazy. There's things going on behind the scenes to you know mitigate the uh, the lawsuit risk and do what's called litigation financing. It's it's, it's a tool. Can of you give us a hint, a, a hint of where that's going to be focused? Where, where do they see the weak spots or the? Uh, no, they're uh, going to go after Pfizer. They're going to go after Pfizer. They're going to go after employers. They might, you know, they might try to go after some government regulatory uh, agencies. Okay. But their, their better bet is Pfizer and employers. There's no money from the wow, government they, regulators. No, no, and, and they, you know, they, they'll, they'll delay it for years. That's sad so. because those, those are the ones that really need to be uh, smacked. 
<laughs> they're the ones that really, uh, you know, have the most to, to have been the most egregious and, and need to learn the most. Well, yeah. I'll tell you, and, the and pharmaceutical so, companies <laughs> right up there. Well, and again, I don't think, I don't think what, the, what uh, these litigation finance people, they're not discussing. What's discussing is it's gotten to this point where we need we need to raise funds to do this rather than mm -hmm. the normal method of um, adjudication, which, you know, should have been, again, regulatory agencies should have stopped this a long time ago, mm -hmm. in my humble mm -hmm. opinion. No, nice. we've been calling for, I certainly, I join people like Dr. Peter McCullough in saying we've been calling for, you know, well over a year now for a complete uh, repeal of all the, all, all of the vaccines from the market. The safety data uh, is clear. I think the data are, are unassailable that this is from the vaccines. Uh, and we, not only are they not effective in stopping people from contracting COVID, they aren't effective at stopping transmission. Uh, they now, we have evidence based on that huge study from the Cleveland Clinic of negative efficacy, meaning the more shots you get, the higher the risk you are of getting COVID, um, you know. The, I, I think we have irrefutable evidence that uh, that hey, these Kelly? vaccines are problematic. Yes. What was that thing from uh, Japan? Uh, I, I saw a weird thing flying around Twitter where some guy had a, a data in front of him. It was a Japanese study saying that mortality went up uh, as vaccines or something. I didn't really pay attention to it, but I, I knew it. Saw it flying around today. Did you see that at all? Yeah, so I've seen it, and I've known about this issue for about six months. Uh, one of my insurance whistleblowers has been looking at the Japan data, and uh, this person told me that uh, they they did well in in the early days of COVID in terms of excess deaths, and they looked like they were, you know, because ivermectin was freely offered. But then right. uh, once the vaccines came out, now they're seeing excess deaths rise uh, right. very fast. So. Japan may be an interesting case study because they had early treatment uh, and uh, as opposed to the U.S. where we didn't. And then the deaths started rolling in as the vaccines came in. So that, that may be a case study that helps us crack the case. We haven't looked at the Japanese data yet, but um, I, I, I need to look at it. Carlos and Yuri, my two partners, need to look at it. But there seems to be evidence pointing that that could be an interesting case study because they did have not that many deaths during the, most of the COVID outbreak compared to mm -hmm. after. I, 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 I hate to keep leaning on you, but I would love to have you come back when you have looked at that data because it, it did look rather striking and there were some very con convincing folks involved with it. I, and I don't know if it's real or not, but I would be interested to hear your interpretation. No, I will if we if we do it. And, and again, I've, I've been hearing about this for six months. So it's like when I when I hear something before it appears on Twitter, I have more I'm more comfortable with it. <laughs> well, we also want to look at excess deaths in places um, that are largely unvaccinated, as I said, places like sub-Saharan Africa uh, and, and India. And people will say, well, you know, the, you can choose one of two things. Either they don't have access deaths because they don't didn't get the vaccines, or they don't have access deaths because they got early treatment with ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. Um, it, it, it's, it's one or the other or a combination of the two. But any way you splice it, uh, the U.S. response was abysmal. Uh, they, we lived through therapeutic nihilism. We did not allow physicians to treat with the readily available safe and effective drugs that we had. We foisted instead these untested vaccines on them, and we are paying the price uh, you know, exponentially compared to places that didn't do those things. 
Um, and I yeah, think yeah, I yeah, maintain. Our Did you guys see in- our health authorities? Go ahead. Our health authorities get an epic. Our health authorities get an epic fail across the board. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. Twenty twenty, twenty one, and twenty two. Have you yeah, guys seen quick, this new, uh, I think it's an Iranian vaccine. Is that uh, a protein vaccine from out of Iran? Have you seen that flying around too? And it'd be interesting no. to see if that, that's a non-mRNA platform. It'd be interesting to see what, what happens with that. Again, it's getting, it's yeah, getting a I little bit uh, wild out there. I haven't seen that, although clearly, you know, AstraZeneca, the other non-mRNA vaccines were were significantly safer. They still unnecessary. I would still maintain they were unnecessary. The vast majority of the population wasn't at significant risk from this thing in the first place. But there's no question that the non-mRNA vaccines uh, have a you know significantly better safety profile, but by an order of magnitude. And Caleb, you have something One you, thing you I- want to ask? Yes. Yeah. I, I just, just had a wanna, really, oh yeah. Oh, fin- finish Ed. Then I'll ask. It's a quick question. Finish. Real, real, real quick. I just want to point out that on our website, we do a, a deep dive analysis of the mRNA clinical trials that, that we had to get through uh, lawsuits. They were going to hide the data for 75 years. So keep that in mind. We right. were available. We got this data because someone, I think Aaron Suri sued and we got the data. And there was a study done, uh, it's on our website, a peer-reviewed study that showed 1 in 800 uh, severe adverse events. And from that data, mm-hmm. we imputed that what we're seeing in the real world was the same order of magnitude, meaning mm-hmm. that they knew then they should have stopped this. I mean, this, this right. If this was a normal drug trial, Dr. Drew, as you well know, they, they, this, is, this would have been stopped. And, this, and if this is a single stock company, would have been down 90% the next day. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm noticing, though, there's a there's a concerted effort to accumulate data about downstream effects of COVID itself, uh, and then th- and some of it may be real. I don't know, and I th- I feel like they're trying to build a case that if we can really show those excess downstream consequences, that then the risk of the vaccine starts to make sense again. Or, or, or really what you do, Drew, is you, you simply obfuscate and you make it so that if you can chip away at the control group, that group of us who was never vaccinated at all, and, and you can claim that everything is related to COVID and is a long time, you know, long downstream effect of COVID, then you can make it appear that the vaccines are not the problem. Um, so you need to maintain that control group, people like myself who had COVID never got vaccinated and haven't had any long-term effects of any sort. Um, so we cannot allow them to continue to denigrate the control group uh, because it's our only hope, frankly, I think, of ultimately proving uh, that it was the vaccines and not COVID itself. That and the and the pathology, you know, people like Ryan Cole who are pushing to do uh, actual tissue staining that can differentiate between the spikes that occur from the virus versus the spike proteins that occur as a result of the vaccines. It's very clear to differentiate those with the appropriate staining, but uh, no one seems to particularly motivated to do that. And Caleb? Yeah, just a real quick question, Ed. Um, so as you're continuing to look through all of this data from your perspective now that you've gotten a lot deeper in it, is it looking like the pandemic is more accidental or is it sliding more towards appearing intentional from what you're seeing? You know, I wasn't in the room. If there was a plan, I wasn't in the room. And at this point, it doesn't matter. What, what, I, what I can tell you is um, 
we have a pandemic right now, whether, and, and it, I believe it's the vaccines, let's pretend it's not. Why are, why are we silent about these numbers? Lost work time, excess right. deaths and disabilities. I mean, this is, this is worse than it was in 2020. And here we are ending the pandemic. I, we have a pandemic of something. I'm calling it the pandemic of the vaccinated, but if I'm wrong, that's fine, but why aren't we talking about this? And that, I think that yeah. gives a lot of the answer, right. unfortunately. Exactly. Yep. Well, we are wow. sort of rolling to a stop here. And, and uh, Kelly, thank you so much. And uh, did you finish what you needed to say about Dr. Walensky? I, I feel like we got a little, a lot of it before the show. <laughs> no, you were pretty heated I up did. I just, well, I just, as I said, I think, you know, even in a banana republic, they pay attention to people getting sworn in and, and people having the position they were actually tapped to do. Uh, only on, in this administration in the U.S. do we have people who, who don't actually complain complete the paperwork and end up serving a term doing a position that they were never even uh, entitled to. It's, it's, it's really terrifying. It makes you wonder who's pulling the strings uh, in this administration. Um, I, I find it just absolutely unbelievable. But Ed, thank you. As always, you are, you're a wealth of information. And I think you put it in a way that People find it very, very digestible. Uh, and again, mm -hmm. I think the fact that you are not a physician, that you're not a scientist, that you don't come out of the pharmaceutical world makes you um, wildly credible uh, because you're reporting things as you see them, you're observing them, and you've got a way with crunching the data that um, I think is is really important. So thank you for your your tireless efforts on that. And I'm with Drew. Please, please, let's make a plan for you to come back and, and share the next tranche of data. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I hope to bring good news. I hope these trends reverse and I'll report them. I, I, I'm not vested in bad news. I'm vested in good news yeah. too. So if it gets better, I'll let you know. And I'm interested in your interpretation of the Japanese data too, whether we've got any, anything there yeah. of, of, of note. All right, you guys, thank you so much. And Ed, you want to push out again, it's uh, financetechnologies.com, P-H-I-N-A-N-C-E technologies. Anywhere else you'd like people to go? Uh, and uh, if you haven't, unknown, there's um, the book. Cause unknown. If you have loved ones that uh, don't understand and think you're crazy, this is a good primer. And um, uh, also, I'm on Twitter at Dowd Edward, D O W D Edward. Elon put me back on. And I'm also on Getter at Edward Dowd. Great. Terrific. All right, you guys. And Kelly, I'll Thanks see again. you tomorrow. Tomorrow. Uh, and, uh, yes. and it, yeah. And uh, Ed, we will see him whenever he'd like to come back and <laughs> give us more data. Uh, there you go. It is Nikolai Petrovsky. We'll talk about that. And uh, May 15th, back with Nicole Sapphire. Uh, Asim Malhatra, Dr. Malhatra, the cardiologist with yeah. Dr. Victory, will be here on May 17th. And uh, until then, we will see you tomorrow at 3 o'clock Pacific time. Thanks. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline 
at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help.